Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be together uh, with you. We're uh, in this series called New You. I think this is about week number four. We're going through these nine qualities from the uh, New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, where it lists these uh, nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. And today I just want to dive in and get started by asking you a question. And uh, here it is. What makes you happy? Think about that. What really makes you happy? It's an important question because I think if we're honest, all of us are on a happiness quest. Yeah, I don't think anybody here would go, "Ah, I don't care about happiness. Uh, I don't need no happiness. No, everybody wants to be happy. And that's why we wish it for other people, right? We say happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, happy Father's Day, happy Thanksgiving, happy New Year. Because everybody wants to be happy. And so today, I want to just go ahead and tell you what makes you happy. Happy Because for some of us, you know, we don't know what makes us happy. And I think probably for many of us, we have forgotten what makes us happy. There's a comedian uh, out there. His name's Louis C.K. And he's got this bit about happiness. And he repeats this line over and over. Everything is, everything is amazing, but nobody's happy. Uh, for example, think about phones and uh, how amazing phones are uh, today. Um, how many of you uh, remember back to rotary phones? Uh, show of hands. Yeah. You just showed your age. Yeah, yeah. I remember rotary phones, grew up with one of those. And uh, some of you may not know what a rotary phone is. Somebody last night was telling me that their uh, young one didn't know how to use one. They had to teach uh, the child how to use it. But uh, that's what it looks like right there. That's the uh, rotary phone. And the, the, the thing is you had to stand by the rotary phone, okay? And the reason you had to stand by the rotary phone uh, because it was connected to the wall by this thing that is called a cord. Yeah. And uh, so you were stuck. And then you had to dial it, and uh, it would just take forever to dial it. And, you know, click, 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 click. Remember that sound? And you, you hated it if somebody's phone number had a lot of zeros in it because it was just so much work. But today, phones are amazing. I mean, just think about it. We've got these little phones that you can carry around in your pocket. You can call anybody from just about anywhere. No dialing, no cords, right? You just call the person up on your contact list, push the button, and the phone calls them for you. But if it doesn't connect immediately, what do we do? You know, if you're like me, you know, we're like, come on. You know, I got places to go. I got things to do. I got people to meet. Come on. But we need to give it a minute. You know what the phone's doing? You know that it's actually going into outer space? It's, it's actually going out to a satellite and then back uh, to Earth again. And so uh, I need to give it a minute. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Everything is amazing. But nobody's happy. You know, I actually was unhappy with my phone. I got frustrated with my my phone last week. I was in this conversation and right in the middle of it, it just died. And I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it to to, to power back up. And so I went over to the store where I got the uh, phone and uh, before the guy uh, took a look at it, he showed me the new phones. And uh, they have new batteries, better batteries, uh, better, better cameras. I was actually hoping that he couldn't fix my phone so that I could buy one of these new phones and call my wife and say, you know, Marnie, my my phone broke, and I had to buy one of these new ones because I thought a new phone would make me uh, uh, happy. But the guy at the store fixed it. It was an easy fix, and so I'm stuck with this uh, old piece of junk uh, right here. But I remembered about 18 months ago when I got this phone, and it was new, and uh, I felt happy and excited for about six hours. Yeah, see, the problem with happiness is that it's like caffeine. It wears off. 
it doesn't last very long. And it's not just with phones. It's the same with cars and homes and clothes and other things. The excitement wears off. But if our happiness deflates as something gets older, have you ever thought about this? Maybe we weren't happy to begin with. Maybe we were just marketed to. Here's a statement that I, that I came across. This is from a guy, pastor named Andy Stanley, uh, about happiness. I think it's an important uh, principle. Happiness is more about who than what. In other words, happiness is more about relationships than, than things. That's true, isn't it? Think about it. Think about a time when you were really happy, one of the, one of the happiest moments in your life. There was probably a who or two that was with you because happiness is more about who than what. I'll never forget the first time that, that I saw extreme uh, poverty over in Africa. About nine years ago, I got to take a trip over to Nairobi, Kenya, and toured one of the worst slums in the world called the Mathari Valley. Over a million people suffering, over 40% of them living with HIV, no running water, no bathrooms. And yet in that slum, I met people, I looked people in the eye who had nothing, who had joy and happiness and peace. Because happiness is not based on things, it's based on relationships. It's more about who than, than what. And so let me ask you that question again, and I want you to, I want you to respond with this two-word answer, okay? What makes you happy? No thing, right? Nothing makes you happy. But today I want to tell you that there's actually one thing that every happy person has. And it's not really a thing. It's not something that you hold in your hand. It's not really something tangible. But there's one thing every happy person has. And this one thing actually made the list of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at this list. It's from Galatians chapter 5. And uh, let's say this out loud together. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today, I want you to see how this quality of peace is one thing that every happy person has, every happy person possesses. I mean, think about somebody that you know that's happy. Think about somebody who you know that's really happy. Here's what they have. They have peace. Doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. Things are fine on the inside. Specifically, happy people have peace on three levels in their life. First of all, happy people are at peace with themselves. Peace with themselves. Doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. They might be extroverted or introverted. They might be married or single or divorced. They might have kids or no kids. But when you're around these people, they're just comfortable in their skin. They're not trying to be somebody that they're not. They embrace who God made them to be. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And they also have peace on a second level. Happy people are at peace with other people. They're, they're not angry with somebody, even if somebody mistreated them. They're not, they're not bitter. I've got a close friend who is one of the happiest people that I know. I look to him as a mentor in my life. But my friend lived through a very difficult season in his life. Somebody wronged him and actually went to prison. But he's not bitter. He would say, well, I just moved on and forgave. See, happy people are not churning on the inside trying to get back at, at, at somebody. They're at peace with others. And then happy people, the happiest people that I know are at peace with God. They just have this confidence in God that allows them to walk through stuff that would otherwise steal 
somebody else's joy and peace and happiness. And they live with optimism, this faith-based optimism, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, because they believe that God is going to work everything out for good in the end. And so they've got a settled core, a deep sense of well-being that comes from having peace with God. And so the Holy Spirit wants to produce peace on three levels, peace with ourselves, peace with other people, and peace with God. And the happiest people on earth have all three levels of peace. Now, some of you, you know, you might be thinking, you know, should we be talking about this in church? Is happiness a church topic? Is happiness in the Bible? Well, I think it is. In fact, I want to look at a scripture with you that we've looked at before. So it might be a little familiar, but I want you to see it from a new angle. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and uh, uh, open it up or turn it on if it's on your phone or if you want to grab the Bible in front of you in the chair back. Open up to Matthew chapter 22. Here's the situation. A lawyer asked Jesus this question. What is God's favorite law? Now, a lawyer would ask that question because lawyers deal with laws. And back then, the Jewish people had over 600 laws. And since Jesus claimed to speak for God, it's a very important question. So this lawyer walks up and asks Jesus, uh, we have, he says, Jesus, we have over 600 laws. Which one do you think is God's favorite? Which one, is God, which one do you think is, is the most important commandment. And normally, normally we don't think of laws and commands as, as, as having anything to do with happiness, right? In fact, m- many of us, if we're honest, would probably say laws and commands get in the way of happiness. But I want you to listen to the answer that Jesus gives through the grid of what we've talked about today. Here's how the conversation went. The lawyer asked uh, Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And you would think that the answer would be don't steal, don't lie, or you think that the answer would have something to do with, with money or, or, or sex or power. There's so many laws that Jesus could choose from. But I want you to listen to Jesus' answer through the filter of what we've said about happiness today. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Notice Jesus doesn't say, thou shalt not or knock this off. Or stop uh, doing this. It's not about a what or a thing. It's about a who. I mean, love is not a typical command word, is it? Love is a relationship word. It's a relational term. It's as if Jesus says, let me tell you what's most important. Since God loves you, I want you to love him back. That's most important. In other words, since God loves you, since God wants to make peace with you, you should make peace with God. See, the most important commandment in the Bible is really about making peace with God. But as you may know, Jesus doesn't stop there. Uh, He goes on, and look at how he brings in the other two levels of peace and happiness. Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, equal to it. This is a package deal. You can't have one uh, without the other. And then look at how Jesus brings in these other two levels. Love your neighbor, make peace with others, as yourself. Make peace with with yourself. And so Jesus says to us, here's what's most important to me. Make peace with God, make peace with others, and yourself. Let me ask you, does it sound like Jesus wants, wants to make us happy, wants us to be happy? I think so. I would say yes. Now, I used to think that, uh, you know, my happiness didn't really matter to God. Sometimes in church, 
we say things like, God wants to make us holy, not happy. When I was a teenager, I went through a season in my life where I thought God was in the way of my happiness. I remember seeing the other students and how they had more things and they partied and did whatever they want. I thought, and I thought they had the happiness. I thought God was in the way of my happiness. But as I, as I grew up and, and as I've gotten older, I've discovered that the happiest people on earth have peace on three levels. Peace with themselves, peace with others, peace with God. And I came to realize God is not in the way of my happiness. God provides the way to happiness. And to resist God is to resist happiness. Now, I want you to notice uh, something very significant about Jesus' answer to that lawyer. Notice that Jesus, Jesus says, love God first. Love God first because because, because making peace with God is the first domino that needs to fall. Making peace with God paves the way and equips us to have peace with others and with our, our, ourselves. But you know what? In order for me to explain uh, how to make peace with God, I need to talk about a subject that is kind of a downer, all right? Because making peace with God implies a problem, doesn't it? Making peace with God implies a conflict. And so we need to talk about this word uh, right here. And for a moment, I want you to think with me in very broad terms about sin. I want you to think of sin as anything or whatever you think other people uh, should not do or whatever you think you should not do, but sometimes you go ahead and do it anyway. You know, for example, I think we would say that lying is a sin and lying or, or, or stealing or any sin separates us from other people, doesn't it? Because, it? because it destroys trust and peace. Sin separates us from other people, and that makes us unhappy. And this is one of the reasons, we don't talk about this very much, this is one of the reasons why sin separates us from God. Think about it, think about it this way. When we lie, uh, uh, when we sin against another person, and we lie, or we steal, or we break a promise, or we hurt somebody, whatever it is, we sin against someone that God loves, and we cannot be okay with God if we're not okay with somebody that, that God loves. Does that make sense? I mean, you can't mistreat and harm one of my kids, my, my, one of my sons or, or my daughter, and say, and say to me, we're cool, right? It's just your son. It's just your daughter. No, you mistreat my kid. You've mistreated me. That's why sin not only separates us from other people, it separates us from God. And here's something else that we probably don't talk about enough. You have a relationship with yourself. You ever thought about that? And sin separates you from yourself. Maybe you've said these words or maybe you've heard somebody else say these words. If I ever blank, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Think about that phrase. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I wouldn't be able to look, at the, look in the mirror at, at, at myself. I don't, I don't want to think about what I've, what I've done. I can't be alone because my mind goes back to that silly thing, destructive thing that I, that, that I did, that decision that I made. You can have a bad relationship with yourself. And you know what? It doesn't matter what you drive or where or, you know, what kind of house that you live in. If you don't have peace with yourself, you're not happy. And if that seems like a, a downer, sorry, there's a little bit more. Bear with me. Because we tend to think of sin as just behaviors or actions. But scripture says that sin is actually, it's deeper than that. The scripture teaches that we're born into it. Kind of like we're born into a country. I was born into this country of the United States. I didn't, I didn't choose it, and I'm proud to be 
an American. There's a lot of benefits to being American, but I didn't earn it. I didn't choose it. I was just born into it, and all of us were born into sin. And so it's, 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 it's part of our nature. The Apostle Paul explains it this way in uh, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, uh, Paul says there was a time there was no sin, but it came through, not through God, but through one man uh, God uh, created. That's how it got here. And then uh, Paul says something that our experience supports. He says, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. In other words, he says, wherever sin shows up in our lives, death comes right behind it. And maybe for some of us, sin killed a relationship. Sin killed a job. Sin killed a career. Maybe sin is killing a relationship in your life. Maybe sin is killing your relationship with your kids. Maybe sin is killing your self-esteem. Sin is killing your conscience. And sin can kill our relationship with God. And so Paul says, sin is not your friend. Sin destroys peace and happiness. Because wherever there is sin, death is right behind it. Here's a picture that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. Maybe you've seen this before in a pamphlet or maybe in a Bible or maybe a church. Sin separates us and so there's this gap, this chasm, and we're on this side and God's over on the other side and there's not anything that we can do to cross that gap. But here's the good news. We've had enough bad news. Here's some good news. The reason that we gather as a church is because Jesus came and he bridged that gap. Jesus bridges that gap through the cross, and he not only forgives your sin, he moves you to the other side, and he fills you with his Holy Spirit, and uh, the Bible calls us being born again, and the Holy Spirit begins producing these qualities in your life that we're talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, in this series. Yeah. In the book of Romans, Paul spells this out for us. He says, therefore, since we have been uh, justified... Uh, which means declared just. We don't act just, okay? God just goes ahead and declares us just, declares us right, declares us forgiven uh, through faith. We have, say this with me, peace with God. How do we get peace with God? Not by acting better, not by doing more good works, but because we've been declared right. We've been declared uh, forgiven by God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom uh, we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Paul says that peace with God begins by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It's like this trade that you make, okay? You put your faith, you put your trust, you put your full weight into Jesus, and you trade that in, okay, and Jesus moves you across that gap, and he gives you peace with God. Now, think about how this peace with God equips us and paves the way to peace with others and with ourselves. Since you have peace with God, since the God who created you has forgiven you, think about this, you lose the right to not forgive yourself. When you come to grips with the fact that the God who created you forgives you and no longer holds your past against you, you find the freedom to quit holding your past against yourself. Uh, you find peace with yourself. And peace with God also paves the way to have peace with others because those of us who have made peace with God through Jesus, we understand that we're now obligated to treat other people the same way our Heavenly Father has treated us. And that's why we say peace with God equips us 
and paves the way to peace with others and with ourselves. So God wants to produce peace on all three levels in our lives. But it begins uh, by making peace with God through putting our trust in Jesus Christ. Now, I had an interesting experience I want to tell you about um, this week. Uh, my wife and I went to just a local fast food restaurant and we're sitting in the uh, booth. And uh, there's a, a couple of people in the booth next to us that uh, we, we have no idea who it was. And uh, I wouldn't recognize, if you're here, I would not recognize you. We didn't recognize the voice. And so we're sitting there in this booth and the people in the booth next to us, we overhear their conversation and they started having a, a discussion about church. And guess what church came up in their discussion? Yeah, River Glen. Now, I don't normally listen, you know, I don't normally over, you know, eavesdrop on other people. But uh, my wife and I, we couldn't resist, okay? <laughs> and so we started listening, and I'm actually getting nervous because I'm thinking, whoa, what if they start saying, you know, Pastor Ben's sermons put me to sleep. I listened to them at nighttime. They cured my insomnia. I've got that effect on, on some people. But we listened, and wow, it was just, it was just humbling and encouraging because this person was just, was just sharing with the other person on the other side of the booth just how God has changed their life. And, and they said they look forward to coming uh, to church every week and their kids look forward to, to kid life here. And, and they talked about how they got baptized here and how they have greater peace and happiness. And we, we overheard this person sharing that good news with the other person at their booth. And I just love that conversation uh, this person sharing how they found peace to help another person find it. You know what? That's our mission as Jesus followers, isn't it? That's our mission as a church to help more people make peace with God through Jesus. And so I got a couple questions that I want you to, to think about today. These are really challenges, okay? First of all, ask yourself, have I made peace with God? Have you crossed that bridge? Have, have you opened yourself up and said yes to Jesus? And have you expressed your faith? Have you demonstrated your faith through baptism? I want you to hear uh, a woman uh, named Dawn uh, from our church talk about how she made peace with God. Take a look at the screens. My name is Dawn Albrecht. I've been at River Glen for off and on for about a year now. I had been going to a different church out in Oconomowoc and it was a hike from home and I tried River Glen and it was very welcoming without feeling pressured. Um, I could come in, find a seat just by myself, I had some time to reflect by myself. The worship music was great. I liked the upbeat. Um, and I really liked Ben's messages. He hit home for me. My history is pretty choppy when it comes to religion. I grew up in a Catholic church, um, married an atheist, divorced said atheist, when I was married, I, I didn't believe, or I thought I didn't believe. I would actually find myself praying every once in a while, um, and then remind myself, oh, I'm not supposed to believe. I remember very vividly one night going home from work, I was in the middle of a bunch of medical issues, um, employment issues, middle of my divorce, and I remember thinking, my friends have betrayed me, I have nobody I can trust, I'm completely alone, no one else has ever experienced this. And this voice said to me, yes, I have. And it was earth-shattering and humbling at the same time. Um, 
and I had just started going back to church with my daughter um, to a youth service, and it was definitely telling me this is a path <clears throat> I need to get back on. So why baptism? Um, I'd been coming to River Glen for off and on for about a year, and similar experience. I was sitting here as they were doing baptisms, and I thought, I need to do that. So in April, I was here for the baptism service, and I was really thinking I should be baptized. It, I had this feeling it, I wanted to do it. The one thing that stopped me that day is I knew I knew my mom would want to be here. My mom's Catholic. They don't do adult baptism. But I knew this would mean something to her because I am restarting my relationship with God. So I held off, and then my daughter texted and said, I'm getting <clears throat> baptized on June 4th. So uh, my mom and I came to support her, and Emily said to me, why aren't you? You know you want to, why aren't you? So I did. Baptism wasn't an aha moment for me. Um, it was a culmination and more of a starting point. Ever since then, and it hasn't been that long, um, it's not a constant sense of peace, but it is a constant reminder that I know where I can find that peace. The fact that I wasn't alone and I, I could give it to God it didn't have to be on my shoulders, was huge. Why should you get baptized? It's not a should thing. Um, it's not dipping your toes in the water, it's all in. It doesn't mean that your life is going to change miraculously overnight, but it helped me solidify my new relationship with God. So should you get baptized? I'd say, what do you feel you need to do? Do you need to solidify that relationship with God? I did. My divorce is finalized. <clears throat> Picked up the pieces. I've moved on. I have a great house. I have a job I love. But there are still challenges every day. And when those challenges come up and they get frustrating, I'm able to go back to that moment where I'm going underwater and just remember I'm not alone. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I appreciate Dawn sharing her short story. You know, I like something that she said. She said, getting baptized solidified her relationship with God. That's a great reason to get baptized if you're really serious about it. If you really want to make peace with God through Jesus, baptism is your next step. And we actually have a baptism opportunity uh, coming up. In uh, just a couple weeks, we call it our baptism bash. We've been doing this for a few years. It's outdoors. It's a lot of fun. We call it the baptism bash. We'd love to include you. Just fill out the card. There's a card in the chair back. Drop that in the offering bag, and uh, we'd love to baptize you. Or if you have some questions about it, stop at the connect wall after the service, and uh, I'll talk with you. But uh, remember, that's just the first level of peace. That's the initial peace. That's the first domino that needs to fall. And so here's the next question. Am I living with peace on all three levels? Because God doesn't just want to forgive your sins so that you go to heaven when you die. He wants the Holy Spirit to produce peace on all three levels in your life. I mean, God wants you to have peace with yourself. He wants you to have a clear conscience. He wants you to deal with the, the, the guilt and the shame 
and move on. He wants you to fully embrace who he made you to be. He wants you to go to bed at night and to be able to turn off the music and other stuff and just feel confident and feel at peace with him. And he wants you to, to do your part to make peace with others. That means that you drop your grudges and you let go of your right to retaliate and you extend love and peace to others just as your heavenly father has, has done uh, for you. And I'm telling you, the happiest people the most joyful people on this planet have those three levels of peace. But here's what can happen if we're not careful. Uh, we can follow Jesus. Maybe some of you have followed Jesus for uh, quite some time. And, you know, you're over here, you know, with God. You've crossed the bridge and you've been forgiven and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But if we're not careful, what can happen is we can grow complacent and we can drift. And we can actually go back to living like we're over here. Now, we're still over here. Okay, but we're living like we're over here and we're insisting because we're insisting on doing things our way instead of God's way. And what happens is we forfeit peace and happiness. You, you know, you probably experienced this as a child growing up. Maybe you can remember a time when your parents said no to you, something you wanted to do. They said no because they uh, loved you and had your best interest in mind, but you pushed back. You didn't understand. You pushed back and you didn't obey your parents. I mean, your parents still love you. You're still in the family but you were not at peace with your parents. And sometimes as, as Christians, we're, you know, we're still part of God's family, but we insist on doing things our way and we forfeit peace and happiness. That's why in Isaiah chapter 48, God says to his people, if only you'd paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. You know, I, I, I love that, uh, I love that uh, verse uh, because I really enjoy being around bodies of water, rivers, Lakes. I went for a bike ride yesterday right beside a lake. There's something about the stillness of the water or the rippling of the water or the never-endingness of a river that to me represents God's peace. And God says, I want to produce that kind of stillness, that kind of confidence and peace in your life. But notice God says we've got to submit to him. We've got to submit to Jesus to sustain and grow our, our peace and happiness. Paul says the same thing in the letter to the Philippians. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Notice how Paul connects outward behavior and inward peace. You know, for example, maybe, maybe you started following Jesus. Maybe you've crossed that bridge, maybe even a long time ago, and you received initial peace. You received the Holy Spirit, but now your life is just busy and stressful, and the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do some pruning and simplifying of your schedule so that peace, like a river, can flow again in your life. Or maybe you're anxious about finances and the Holy Spirit is nudging you to sign up and take the financial peace university class that we offer. Maybe you're anxious about your marriage and the Spirit is leading you to sign up for some marriage mentoring. I wonder, is there an action step the Holy Spirit wants you to take so that peace like a river can flow again in your life? You know, just last week, I was a little upset about a situation in, in my life. Didn't involve anybody here at River Glen. But I sat down with a friend, and, I, and I, I shared it. I opened up with this friend and explained what I had done to try and resolve the situation. And here's what my friend said to me. My friend looked me in the eye and said, Ben, I think what you need to do is forgive this other person. 
Now, you might think, you might expect that I wouldn't need to hear that from, from somebody, but I didn't see it. And they were absolutely right. And we prayed together, and, and I began letting go. And I could just feel peace like a river in, in my heart. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're angry with somebody, and Jesus wants you to, to let go and forgive that person. Or maybe Jesus wants you to go and have a conversation and try to resolve that. Or maybe you're really anxious about your circumstances, and you need to pray and just Give it over to God and trust that he's going to work it out for good. Maybe there's an action step that God wants you to take so that you can sustain and grow the fruit of peace in in your life. Because peace begins by putting our faith in Jesus. And it sustains and grows as we follow and submit to to him. Would you bow your heads with me uh, for just a moment? Because maybe some of us here... Maybe some of us need to do some business with God today. Maybe some of you have have never placed your faith in Jesus. You've you've never made that initial peace with God. And said, God, please take me across that bridge and into your family. Maybe right now you want to just pray silently to God and say, God, I want to cross that bridge. I want the payment that Jesus made on the cross applied to my life. I want to have peace with you. I want to make peace with you. And if you've decided to cross that bridge... Uh, Your next step, the first step that Jesus asked you to take is baptism, and we would love to help you take that step. But maybe some of us here are are Christians. We've already crossed that bridge. But maybe there's an area where we're not acting like it. I believe God brought you here today because God loves you, and he wants you to have peace. Again, he wants you to be in sync with him. He wants you to have the peace that uh, maybe you've not had in a long time. Maybe you've never had. And taking communion today could be an action step for you, really for all of us, to commit ourselves to following Jesus and opening our heart up to this fruit of peace. If communion is, is new to you and, and uh, you'd like to participate, you're welcome. Our, our communion's open because Jesus invites everyone to make peace with God. And as we share communion, would you ask yourself, have I made peace with God? And am I living with peace on all three levels? And would you thank Jesus, thank him for making it possible for for each of us to have joy and happiness and peace. And then later on, as you leave today, we have a little challenge card we're handing out. I hope you'll take that little card. And then do what it says because it'll help you, it might help you grow this fruit of peace this week. Let me pray for us and and then we'll pass the uh, communion trays. God, I thank you for Jesus and the way he lived a perfect life and gave his life to build a bridge for us to you. God, thank you that we can take this bridge from where we are to be with you and experience your joy and happiness and peace. God, I pray for those who are ready to walk across that bridge and solidify their relationship with you. Give them courage to take that step of faith and to really mean it. And for those of us who already follow Jesus, I pray about that area where we've been putting you off, resisting you, insisting on doing things our way. God, I thank you for the reminder that you love us enough and your love is so strong that you're not going to give in. And so God, may we give in to what you want us to do and trust that your love for us as a perfect heavenly father is enough. God, help us to take steps to 
to make and grow our peace with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.